Hey there. Thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly sermon podcast. We pray you meet God and know that you are loved today. Be sure to visit us at risenking.life to take all of your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. Good morning. This morning I'd like to start off with reading Psalm 103. Psalm 103 is maybe the most perfect song of pure praise found in the whole Bible. And all through generations, people have used this song, this psalm, as a song from their hearts. And so I'd like, as we're doing this whole month of encountering the Lord together and ministering his presence, I'd like us to read this psalm together. This is Psalm 103. Will you read it with me? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we were made. He remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and the righteousness to children's children. Amen. You can just read the whole sermon if you want to. <laughs> I'm going to do something a little bit differently today. I'm not going to use the PowerPoint. There's a, there's a way I'd like to just speak with you today. So as we, we look at this psalm together, because we've been, I've been trying not only to get you to encounter the Lord in our worship service, but also to encounter what older theologian called the adequacy of God. And as you look at this psalm, this is probably written in the later years of David's life. It could have been written any time in his life. There's no, there's no particular circumstance that tells us when. But when you look at a psalm like this, it looks like he's reflecting back. And it also looks like, because he talks about his own frailty, that we are but dust, that he is facing his own death. And as he does that, as he shares this, he has this clear sense of his own iniquity, 
But in the clear sense of the conviction of his own sin, he also has grasped the preciousness of the pardon that is his in Christ. And so as we look at this psalm together, you see how to face any circumstance that you're going through. Now, I personally, I love being around young people. I love the energy. I love the enthusiasm. But sometimes you need old people. (laughs) And you need those who have gone through it to begin to speak into what you're going through. And so here we have a man who has spent his life and is now sharing with us how do you get through those tough times. How do you get through when your own heart, your own body is weak? Now, this psalm has been really precious to me this week in particular because we got some pretty bad news. As, as you know, successful as the surgery on Lisa was, the cells that were analyzed from her tumor are incredibly dangerous. And... Um, They are not only fast-growing and aggressive, um, but they're resistant to the drug that she's been taking. And they, even with the medication, they're almost as fast-growing as the ones were without medication. And so the doctors are changing her treatment. The treatment that she's going to take on is much more toxic, has a lot more side effects, and it doesn't have a 100% record. And so we are, you know, listening, we are uh, following what the doctors are explaining to us. And as we're doing so, and we're studying up on this and looking at it, we're, we're realizing she's in the fight for her life. Because if this, these mutated cells, if they spread, uh, it's, it's very dangerous. And so as we were facing this this week, I mean, what Lisa and I always do is we always go to prayer. We begin to pray together. Because it is different when you're just praying for somebody and when you're praying with someone. And so we're praying together and we're taking communion together because we believe God has given that as a, as a means to fight against illness. It's the body and the blood of Jesus. So we're taking communion together. And... Uh, And we're weeping together because it's very serious. It's very dangerous. But we know this. The diagnosis of a doctor is not the final word. That the only one who has the final word is the Lord himself. And so one of the things that that I want to share with you today is, is that how you face difficulties, how I face difficulties, is a choice. And... In this passage, I want to unpack for you the choice I make, because it's the choice that David made. If you look at this passage, you see that that in a way it involves not just your emotion. Now, I believe that the psalmist is telling us that you, you face the emotion of fear. You face the emotion of some discouragement that the way you thought things were going to go aren't always the way they go. And what he's saying here is that there's only one choice that doesn't limit you 
from experiencing the fullness of God no matter what the circumstance is. And the first thing that he says is he says, bless the Lord. Now, some translations say praise the Lord because it's the idea of speaking well of the Lord. Well, you can see how important this is because when something bad happens to you, you have a choice of what you're going to say. You have a choice of what's going to come out of your heart. And if what comes out of your heart when life doesn't make sense is blessing the Lord, it means that life cannot overtake you. It means that your heart has been transformed in a way that you see the value of the Lord even when things aren't going the way you expect, or the way you want. You see, to speak blessing is to say, I see the value. I see what you're worth. And to speak blessing here is to say, with all that I am and all that I have and any power that I might have, I will, I choose to bless you, Lord. Now, by blessing the Lord, you don't make him any greater. By blessing the Lord, you don't add anything to him. But you are choosing him over everything else. You're saying, you're my treasure. You're ultimate to me. You're the real, you're the one that I want. So when you bless the Lord, now what, why is this so important? Because most of us are just looking for blessing. And when you're just looking for blessing, you're shutting down. <laughs> there's, a song, there's a song that we sing sometimes here. It says, I'm not here for blessing. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. And it speaks of how your heart is here to bless the Lord and to receive more of him, not just of the benefits of him, but receive more of him. A lady after service says, I don't ever want to sing that song again. I came here for blessing. I said, I, I can tell, you're mad. See, here's the issue. If the blessing is what you seek, then the blessing is the idol that you worship. And if that's so, then the Lord will not give success to your idol. Here is one of the major things. It's not, it's not an easy thing, but at some point in your Christian life, if you're a serious Christian, at some point God's going to take away the blessings. And he's going to say, do you still love me? Do you love me for me? Or do you love me for the blessings? So one of the most powerful things you can do in the moment of confusion or the moment of difficulty or a moment where you don't know what's going to happen is you decide with your heart, I will bless the Lord. Now, many of us, we don't know how to do anything but look for blessing. We don't realize that it is more powerful to give blessing than to look for the blessing. Because you see, once you give the blessing and say, you're worthy, you have all my praise. Once you give that, then he can give you anything. But until he's the one you bless, then he has to oppose the other things that you're blessing. And then the, the psalmist goes on. He doesn't just say, I make it a choice to bless the Lord. I'm telling my soul what I'm going to bless. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. In other words, he's saying, 
I'm not just going to do it with my lips, but I'm preaching to my own soul. And I'm saying, soul, the only thing really worth blessing in your life is the Lord. He's the one that matters. He's your everything. And soul, you are going to bless him. Now, Spurgeon, I told you I've been reading the dead guys, was a great preacher in the 19th century. And he said something so powerful. He said, it's not just about outward forms or expressions, but also something real has to come from the soul. Spurgeon said, soul music is the very soul of music. In other words, you tell your soul, it's not about how pretty the song is or how much I like the the music but rather it's what's coming out of my soul. Is it music to the Lord? Is it soul music? Or is it just me singing with my lips? Another thing he says that's so powerful is he said, ah, where is it? I gotta find this, sorry. I like this too much. Here's what Spurgeon says. He says, let others murmur, but you bless Let others bless themselves and their idols, but you bless the Lord. Let others use only their tongues, but as for me, I will cry, bless the Lord, O my soul. Will you say that with me? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Say it again. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amy Carmichael, I think it was, had this illustration. She may have gotten it from somewhere else. But she says, when you have a cup that's full and, the, and, and something jostles the cup and it falls over, what's inside the cup comes out of the cup. She said, it's the same with your soul. When the soul gets jostled, when the soul gets interrupted, disrupted, Invaded, whatever it is, whatever comes out of your soul is what was in your soul to begin with. So if when things don't go the way you want and comes out of your soul cursing, if your soul is coming out with poison and bitterness, if your soul is coming out with blame and it's coming out with criticism and complaining, if that's what's coming out, it's because that's what's in. So the psalmist is saying, When I am jostled, when my life is frail, when I'm faced with my weaknesses, soul, you're going to bless the Lord. But many of us here, we complain, we criticize, we blame. We get hit, we're bitter. How can you let this happen to me, God? I don't deserve this. I can't believe you're making me go through this. And the psalmist says, that's not the way you get to power. You cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit and be filled with guilt. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and be filled with shame. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and be filled with fear that makes you a control freak. What's in your soul is what comes out of your soul. And this might be one of the most difficult things for many of us is instead of of being afraid of what's coming out, actually let it come out. Because if you're angry, 
You don't want to stay angry. But if you, if you say, oh, no, I just got angry, and you pull the cup and put the anger back in, then there's no space for the, for the spirit to fill. If that's what's coming out, and you might say, it's my kids make me angry, or it's my spouse that makes me so angry. If it's not in the cup, they can't knock it out of the cup. It can't be living water in the cup that comes out as poison through your mouth. So the psalmist is saying, here's what's going to happen when life jostles me. I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to tell my soul to bless the Lord. Now, you may say, I would love for that to be my automatic response. You must understand. He's having to tell his soul to bless the Lord. That means it's not automatic. That means it's not involuntary. You see, there has to be a constant evaluation as you face deeper problems, more pressures, greater crises. There has to be a constant evaluation because what happens is some of the deepest bitterness in your soul, some of the worst poisons are hidden deeply in the soul. And it takes something quite radical, something almost traumatic at times to get us to see how angry we really are, how lacking in patience we really are, how, how controlling and fearful we actually are. It's okay if your first response is not to bless the Lord, if you will actually be honest about what your first response is. In a way, it won't be healed till you're willing for it to be revealed. And so many of us, we're so afraid of ourselves. We're so afraid of what's going to come. But here's what the psalmist says. He says, bless the Lord. In other words, he's making a choice. Then he has to preach to his own soul because his soul is not pure. There's a dark side. There's a shadow side. It comes up in life. It comes up in difficulties. And, and my wife always laughs at me at this because I think you have to have feelings about your feelings. She thinks, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard, Mike. No, I, what I mean by this is there are feelings that come up automatically. What you have to decide is, are those feelings limiting or are those feelings empowering? Regret is a worthless feeling. Regret is us obsessing over things we cannot change. You know what the Holy Spirit does? He brings godly sorrow with repentance and leaves no regret. So you can see sorrow is a feeling that's worth having, especially godly sorrow is a feeling worth having. But it leads to what? Change. Which means the Holy Spirit is not the one tweaking you about things that cannot change. I hear sometimes people say, well, if I'd only done this, guess what? You'll never get to go back and do that again. But it will make you stuck in the past. And then it will not give you power for the present. And it will not give you hope for the future. So I'm saying to you, 
You have a choice. It's not automatic, but I'm saying to you, you have a choice of saying, not only will I, not only have I come to the place of will of saying, Lord, you're worth blessing, but I'm telling my soul, even when other stuff comes up, I'm telling my soul that I'm going to bless the Lord no matter what, all my days. But I'm also going to tell my whole self, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Here's what Lisa and I have been doing. The name of Jesus is bigger than cancer. The blood of Jesus is, is more powerful than these mutated cells. And so you begin to look and say, all that is within me. I've been saying this. Cancer doesn't bless the Lord. Take it out of her body. Cancer cells can't praise the Lord. Take them out of her body. Only let that which is the kingdom of God be in her body. See, you, if you'll get what the psalmist is saying here, you can start applying it to the finances of your life. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So that is all within me, not in anxiety trying to make money, but all within me depending and trusting on the promises of God that his promises are yes and amen. But you see, what happens to many of us is we will not listen to what is within us and we will let what is within us control us. The psalmist is saying, you have the ability to decide what you bless. And what you bless will bless you or it will curse you. But when you and I, when we go through trials and we have life not happen the way we want it to happen and other stuff comes up, what God is doing is he's saying, look, there are limits that you have allowed to be in your soul, and they're not a blessing. Say it with me. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Say it one more time. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Now, if you're hearing me in this, you've got to change the way you worship. You, you don't worship going, well, you know, I didn't really like the songs today. No, this is, this is very much like any musician. When they're beginning, they always tune their instrument. Because if you don't tune your instrument, everybody's going to be playing their own thing, and it's not going to be music. When you bless the Lord with your soul, you are tuning your soul to the Lord. So you're not coming in going, boy, you know, I hope they can kind of move me today. I really hope I might feel something today. See, what happens to a lot of us is we want something else to pull us out of our situation and make us feel better. This is not that. This is the Lord saying, will you first say you're worth blessing? Secondly, will you say, I choose to bless you. And then third, to begin to see what's happening inside yourself in terms of anxiety, worry, fear, bitterness, all of those anger, all of those negative emotions. And when you say, those are not blessing the Lord. So all that is within me that is coming up 
in these circumstances, I'm bringing them under the submission of the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand, nobody can pull you out of your selfishness, self-absorption, your own self-worship, your own self-salvation strategies, except you surrendering to the pulling of the Holy Spirit. This is one of the things that, that I see so often with people is they, they have this kind of up, down, and all around relationship with God. This is the psalmist at the end of his life when he's, he's losing his strength physically. Things are not going the way he expected them to go. But he's saying, in this time when I need strength the most, in this time when I need the most hope, in this time I'm going to start with my own soul. And I'm going to choose in. You see, the place of your soul is really the center of your true personality. C.S. Lewis says it this way. We think we are bodies who have souls. But the Bible says you're a soul that has a body. So when you begin to let your soul bless the Lord, you are switching who dominates you. And instead of your appetites and drives and your lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, boastful pride of life driving you, which then the Lord has to oppose that. Instead, your soul is leading you. And as your soul leads you, it leads you to Christ. It leads you to a spirit-filled life. And as that is happening, you're able to bless what is worthy of blessing. And then he is able to unleash blessing on you. Now, this whole passage hinges on this one thing. This, this one verse frames the whole passage where it says, as a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for you. Why should I bless him? How can I bless him? It's when I begin to understand he's trying to reparent me. I love, this, I love this piece, but many of us, you see, many of us, when we hear Father, maybe we don't see something that's so safe. Maybe when we hear Father, we don't, we don't even know what it is to have a Father's compassion. But what the psalmist is doing here and everything that he's laying out, he's saying, here's a good Father versus a bad Father. He says, our father, our good father is slow to anger. And he's saying he won't always be angry with you. Now, you see, what he's saying there is so powerful. Because many of us have had fathers who are angry with us. Or we have tried our best not to make our fathers angry. I, I, I think about sometimes coming home and kind of testing, what mood does my dad have today? And just wondering, you know, and then I don't know if this ever happened to you, but I, I never asked my dad for anything. I asked my mom to ask my dad, <laughs> you know, as a buffer. But I can remember, I can remember so often my mom saying, you kids be quiet. Your dad, don't upset your dad. Or I learned this, and this is kind of dysfunctional on my part. I learned if I was incompetent. He didn't make me do it. So I was supposed to change the oil. 
I stripped the screw on the, on the uh, oil pan. He threw me out and never asked me to do it again. I said, oh, I'm going to do that in other things, you know. And, but it was so interesting because my father was angry with me for not doing something I'd never done before or for doing it wrong. See, what you've got to do is realize God does not want to be it in your life. He wants to be a person. He wants to relate you as, to you as a person. And the closest analogy that he can have is a compassionate father. Can I just tell you what this means? It means everything in the way that he deals with you. If you're struggling in an area, say you've got an addiction, or you're struggling in an area where you have anxiety, or you have worry, or you have fears, or you're struggling in an area to get over your lust, or, or, or these immoral thoughts that you have, or whatever it is, and you're beating yourself up, that is not your father. See, a good father only gets angry when it's about you getting in danger. Like, my kids run out in the street without anybody there. I'm going to yell at them. Even at 41 years old, I'm going to yell at them (laughs) because they're hurting themselves. I raised my voice to my children when they lied, not because I was angry with my children. I didn't want them to lie. I knew it would be bad for them. It was about them. It wasn't about me. And a bad father, you see, a bad father yells because he's been inconvenienced or because he's been embarrassed or just because he's in a mood and doesn't want to deal with you. I mean, how many of us as fathers, even trying to be good fathers, said, don't don't ask me now. Don't bother me now. That is not the father of Psalm 103. Here is what it's saying, and I hope you'll get this. It's saying, as far as the east is from the west, he's taken your sin away, and he remembers it no more. That means, friends, when you have failed the worst, even if you've committed a sin that you say, this is the worst sin I've ever committed, do you know what it's saying there? He will treat you as if you've never done that sin before. And then he will treat you in that moment as if you will never do it again. How many of us as parents have said to our kids, you always, you never. I mean, even even like guilting and manipulating, saying you never take out the trash when I tell you to. And we shame them and we manipulate them. And we're not doing it because we're evil, mean people. We're doing it because we don't know how to parent like the father parents. Here's the deal. What the psalmist is saying, is the Father is not only treating that moment like it's never happened before, treating that moment like it will never happen again, but it also means here He's treating you as the person you will be, not the person that you are. One of the things that any of us as parents, all we have is a two-dimensional relationship with our children. I know their past, And I know what they're doing in the present. I have no clue about their future. I have hopes, I have dreams, I have all those kind of things. But our Father has a relationship with you where your whole life is right in front of Him. And He knows exactly the destiny that you're going to. And He treats you now as if you're already there. 
which means this. He will only send you. He will only send your way what is necessary to get where you're going. Anything he withholds from you now is not necessary to get there. Now, when you look around, you say, but they have this. Father says, but it's not necessary for you to have this to be the person that you're becoming. But I have to go through this. And he's saying, yes, exactly. Trust me that even what you're going through is necessary to get where you're going. But it also, are you tracking with me in this? But it also means this. He enters into, when you feel ignorant, when you feel like you don't know, he enters into that moment and he does so with compassion, with compassion. When you've messed up the worst, he enters into that moment with complete compassion for you. When you are going through somebody wronging you, he's right there with you. There's not a single incident that you're going through. There's nothing that you're going through that as a father, he isn't in there with compassion, entering your world. How can I have such confidence? Well, I can have such confidence because the father laid on Jesus all the burden of my sin, all the burden of your sin. So that I don't have to carry it and the Father doesn't have to bring it up to me every time it happens. We tried in my family, numerous times we tried to kind of get reconciliation, work through the past. It's really, really difficult. I remember one time my father saying to to, uh, my sister, how many times do I have to say I'm sorry? How many times do I have to apologize? And I can remember just feeling the defeatedness of that moment. Because you see, in the world apart from the cross, I'm sorry means nothing. It doesn't take away the pain. doesn't make it new. doesn't make it fresh. It just in some ways makes it feel like it's still hurting you. But you see, on the cross, the Father laid on him the iniquity of us all. On the cross, by his stripes, by the punishment that he endured, you and I are healed. And so as I think through this of how can I bless the Lord when my soul soul is so weighed down? How can I bless the Lord with all that is within me? I can bless him because he's with me. Even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he's with me. His rod, his staff, they comfort me. He even sets a table for me in the presence of my enemy. My cup overflows. Not because circumstances have changed. The enemy's still there. My cup overflows because he anoints my head with oil. See, it's a choice. Gabe's going to play We're going to sing together that song, Good, Good Father. What I'd like for you to do is, would you choose in with me? Can we do it as a church community, as a church family? And no matter what's going on in your life right now, as best you can, you're going to say, I bless the Lord. I'm going to tell my soul to bless the Lord. I'm going to to 
take hold of everything that is within me as best I can, and I'm going to bless his holy name. And I'm going to do it not because I have to, but I'm going to do it because he's a good, good father. Will you stand with me?